Hello, hello. This is Dr. Grace Ambrosakin back again with the Safe Toddles Podcast and my co-host, Calvin Crosby. Hey, 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 everybody. It's so good to see you, even though I can't see you. It's another day that we can live beyond our challenges and overcome them. And I'm excited about today's topic that we're going to be covering how to work with a belt cane and figuring out the size and who who's an ideal person for the belt cane. So I'm looking forward to this topic and excited to see how you guys can learn from it and as well what I'm going to learn from this because I'm learning as well as you are. So I'm excited. Wonderful, wonderful. And to bring us back to the topic today, it's identifying who needs a belt cane. And really, the identification is similar to any cane, for, you know, mobility tool cane, white cane. So we might start there. I think that there's often, mm. well, what are we talking about? Are we talking about a support cane? Are we talking about sugar cane? Uh, what are we talking about? And I have been saying long time now that they're all canes. And um, they're all supposed to be white because white is the most reflective. And then we add the reflective tape. They're also supposed to be long. And the length, of course, is a little bit of a personal preference, but they certainly should be up to your shoulder or taller. And then um, so then how do you distinguish between the different ones? So I like to say that the the one that we all identify with, the rod cane, is um, just the long they call the long cane, which, like I said, they're all supposed to be long. And then there's a one called a rectangular cane. A lot of people call that an AMD. Mm-hmm. And the A can stop, you know, could stand for adaptive or assistive, yeah. uh, whatever, <laughs> mobility device, AMD. And in fact, a friend was pointing out, it also sounds a lot like age-related macular degeneration. So I'm not sure why we want to continue <laughs> to call it an AMD. But they do. Well, many people do. And then so the third cane now is the belt cane or the pediatric belt cane, which is um, the newest kid on the block. And I, and I think what's so interesting about the different type of canes that are out there, there, there hasn't been until the belt cane, there really hasn't been a lot of innovation between the three different types of canes or besides the belt cane. And I it's think true. it was very interesting when Anne was talking about back in uh, in her interview, she was talking about her dad made her a harness, and I'm like, that's an innovative idea back then, for 1950 era type, and I was like that. Well, people were thinking that this was a good idea back then, and little did we know that this is gonna this is a good idea now, even literally 60 years later. And I think that's that's so powerful. Like we're actually starting to innovate the actual cane, the rod cane, and that thing. That's what's so credible about the belt cane as well. Is that as we dive into this, is this is actually doing something a little bit more different than what we would use the rod cane for or a stable cane for. And so, great. Can you kind of tell us about like all right? How would you measure for a toddler with a belt cane? Well, let's just back up a little bit. Um, first of all, I have to say that what Anne's father was making for her, I'm not clear exactly what the harness was, but it's this similar idea that who needs help? Who needs something about which they need it because their current 
sensory impairment, their vision impairment is making it so difficult for a little toddler or a preschooler to do their follow their natural instinct. And I think that that's the most important observation is that I was taught that if you're blind, you don't have this natural instinct to move around, that somehow you, because you can't see, you're not enticed to move. But that's just not been our experience at all. In fact, it's the opposite. It's that blind children, toddlers do move, do want to move. They want to run just like every toddler. However, it's unsafe for them to do that, right? I mean, they, if they run full blast, it's like us trying to do that in the dark as sighted people. If we went into our garage and decided just to throw all caution to the wind, we would run into the lawnmower and we would break <laughs> our neck trying to run through the garage because we cannot see all the stuff. So to say, well, let's make a harness and make them independent, make them dependent on me to be their eyes. But that was the only idea because the father was looking for something to help Anne. And Anne was in a generation as our children today, who the idea that somehow you should be able to walk and run without any safety if you're blind is an antiquated notion that we are putting a stop to. So who needs this cane? It's not every toddler, right? I have a one-year-old grandson. He's fully sighted. He does not need to wear this cane. So, well, then who does? Who does? And what I've done is I've added on on the Safe Toddles website, there, if you go to the website, it's safetoddles.org. So S-A-F as in Frank, E-T-O-D-D-L-E-S.org. And at the top, there's the heading. So home, about, videos, resources, donate, obtain a cane, professionals, and the blog. And under resources, the very first one is podcast. So you can catch all of our episodes. And right below that is the MVI assessment. Now, what does MVI stand for, Kelvin? I have no idea. This is a term that I think we would do well to adopt, mobility visual impairment, mobility visual impairment, because the idea that someone could be visually impaired, but it doesn't negatively affect their mobility is something we've been exploring in these past couple of episodes, haven't we? Yeah, for sure. I think that's what it's interesting, like mobility visual impairment, like, all right. I mean, we talk about my vision loss. I mean, I, at age 13, we realized I had ushers. So I didn't use a cane until I was 19. And so I was walking around, driving a car, doing all those things. And so essentially I was mobility impaired. Or I wasn't quite there yet. And I think when I became 19, lost all the peripheral vision, couldn't see the curbs or see enough to see the stop signs, so I ran red lights, and that wasn't a safe situation either. Oh, so, no. <laughs> so it, and that's a good example, and I, I like that um, because even through life, the, as you lose your vision later in life or at birth, if you have some vision and you're able to feel safe using that vi- vision, 
then you don't necessarily need a cane. Am, am I correct? Exactly. Exactly. There is a demarcation. There's a line. Someone who does not need to use a long white cane is someone who can use their vision for the three previews. So, for example, if I'm in the dark, I could use a cane because I no longer have the three previews or I could just turn the light on. Right. So I just want to get a quick, quick clarify. What does three previews mean? What are the three yes. previews? What are the three previews? Well, it's something, I believe it was Bruce Blosh, Professor Blosh, Dr. Blosh. He's one of the editors of the Foundations of O&M Textbook, and he's a researcher from the Veterans Administration. And I know he wrote about these, and they really do help encapsulate what it is that would help you identify if you need a white cane. So the first preview is object preview. Do you trip over objects? that you don't see. And of course, they could be stationary objects or movable objects. And anything that's um, in your path that is a couch or a toy or a book or you know something that is an object that is in your way, are you able to notice it and alter your path of travel so you don't trip over it? So that's object preview. So that's a very interesting, and now applying that to my own life. I mean, that was the stages of my morning process. Like I lost my night vision, so I couldn't travel very well at night. So that was one preview. And then then the next preview is I couldn't see the curves or see the stop signs or the stop lights. So that would be the second preview. And then I started losing more clarity and my peripheral vision just started shrinking more and more in. And so that made it more difficult just to see a person or a car. And well, little did we know, there go to all three previews. <laughs> um, yep. So I th- yeah, because the object surface surfaces, can you tell visually if it's a grass or a sidewalk, if it's asphalt or cement, if it's, you know, a puddle or just a dark shadow yeah. on the top. Because not knowing exactly what you're about to step on, that surface preview, can cause you to mm-hmm. miss a mistake. Maybe it is a puddle. Actually, maybe it's a dip. Yep. Maybe it's something more. Or it could be stairs that are not there. Yes. <laughs> just like with Michael. <laughs> yes. <Whoa>. <laughs> so <laughs> that's the second preview is surface. And then the third, of course, you mentioned with the curbs and stairs. We call that elevation. Some people say, well, an upstair, that's like an object, right? So is it is an upstairs a elevation or is it just the drop off? And I, I don't think that we have any real clear lines that, well, this is an object at that surface and this is a elevation. But the point is, if you walk and you have a very low contrast stairs with low lighting, or even if you just, you're such that blurry vision that you just cannot tell where the stairs begin and where the floor ends, that's a danger. It means you can't walk as fast with that because you don't have the preview. Or you could walk just as fast as you like if you use a cane. Once we know that these three previews are essential to pace and gait and confidence, well, we know how to fix it. We yep. could just use a cane. Now, which cane should we use? That's the question. <laughs> That's the question. And that really depends not on the cane itself, but on the user. Yeah. Because the cane has One to be the, used correctly. 
Yeah, and I think um, just for this podcast, I would say let's just focus on the toddler and let's kind of see uh, how did the belt cane, how did the rod cane, and how why would the belt cane be more ideal for a toddler that doesn't have all three previews? Well, that's a wonderful question. And the way I think we need to think about identifying um, the, the user is that we can see toddlers who are blind stand up and walk. So they can stand up and start walking. What will be the difference? Well, like George talked about, he ran into a wall. Now, some people have said to me, well, great, my son ran into a wall. He's sighted. So that means it's not a problem for blind children. (laughs) But I will say to you about sighted toddlers, there's a certain information that we need to know. A sighted toddler is developing his visual motor response. And each time there's an interaction, a collision, that sighted toddler can look and say, what was that? (laughs) What should I do next? Next time when I see that, I'll avoid it. I'll slow down. I'll know for next time how to change my behavior so that it doesn't happen again. And that sophistication takes several years, perhaps. But usually by 18 months, they're walking very well, avoiding obstacles. And by two years old, they're able to run and avoid obstacles. So when we see blind toddlers not walking well and not running at all, we know that's a problem because that's not Toddlers and preschool children want to run. So if they're not running, it's because they've not able to avoid obstacles. So to kind of bring us full circle. So if we are finding that a toddler is visually impaired and say we're a preschool teacher or we're a mother or a father that has a visually impaired individual and we're like, well, we want to give some hope to our toddler that's visually impaired, how could I find the right measurement for my child? Um, can you re- kind of give us a little bit more details on the measurements and as well, we point us back to that, um, that page that you were talking about earlier? Yes. So the nonverbal MVI assessment just asks you a few questions about the child moving about or not moving about and how they respond to moving. Also on the website is Obtain a Cane. So on the website Obtain a Cane, there is an intake form. We need three measurements to make you a custom-made cane. They are the height in inches to the shoulder, from the floor to the shoulder. Then around the waist, the circumference, where you wear your belt, how many inches. And then there's a measurement that we need that you use a ruler to get. That's hip to hip. Using a ruler, you don't get any of the body shape. You just have the inches across from one hip to the other. It's usually six, seven, eight, or nine. And then toddlers are growing. So is this king going to have to be adapted over time? Currently, our prototypes do not expand. So, yes, uh, if you get one for your 15-month-old, we're going to recommend that you continue returning to get a new cane as they get taller and wider until about three to four. If it's their developmental potential to use a handheld device, not every toddler and preschooler has use of both hands or the intellectual ability to hold on to something. Um, However, if it is, then they could transition very easily 
to using the rectangular cane. And then by five, uh, if they've been wearing their bell canes since they were 15 months old, they're going to transition very quickly to being cane users. Because here's the thing. Right now, the problem that kids have growing up without any safe mobility is they Mm. think that's life. That's their identity. That's their self-concept. My life is running into walls. My life is, we've heard George. George (laughs) says, oh, my feet were turned out like a ballerina. (laughs) You know, this was a point of pride instead of what should be a great concern for parents and families and professionals that the blind young man has such a difficulty running into walls that mm-hmm. he has to turn his feet outward to have a wide gate and hold on to things. So these, this is where we're, you know, people say, well, is this a problem that we're going to keep them safe all these few years? Yes. No, that's not the problem. That's the solution. May help them feel safe. They'll learn to explore and walk well and run and feel self-confident. Their language delays will not occur because they'll be moving around effectively. That's awesome. Well, I think that's what's so exciting about the belt canyon, the opportunity for toddlers to really grow with the device as they grow and be able to gain that freedom and the independent as they progress. So that, that wraps us up for the day with the Safe Toddles podcast. If you want to go ahead and get a hold of us, go to info at safetoddles.org and shoot us an email. If you want to go to our website, that's www.safetoddles.org. If you'd like to find us on social media, go to any of your social media platforms and search at Safe Toddles and you'll be able to find us there. Thank you all for today and we're looking forward to sharing more with you about the safe toddlers cane and how they can transform little toddlers lives wonderful thanks cal see you next week